Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell, here to recap the Thunder's 123-120 to loss to the Phoenix Suns on Sunday night at Chesapeake Energy Arena. And yes, we are going to primarily recap Thunder Suns, but first, Barry, we have to talk about what happened Saturday night um, at the peak. A 152-95 to loss to the Indiana Pacers, a 57-point loss, the largest home loss in NBA history, the biggest loss in Thunder franchise history, and I was not here to see it. So in the one game I have, the one home game I've missed all, all year, our man uh, Cam Jordan filled in and did an admirable job in covering the Thunder's historic loss. And I, I owe Cam um, wh- whatever he wants. Uh, he, he deserves it because he was there for that. I was off. I did watch the game on Sunday morning just to catch up on what I had missed. But Barry, um, you probably watched it a little more intently than I did because I knew the outcome going into watching it. But uh, just just give us just give us your take on on what the heck happened Saturday night. Well, I mean, if you ask the question, how did the Thunder lose by fifty <laughs> points? Is that the question? That's the question. Tell, tell, tell us all. How could, how could the Thunder lose by fifty-seven points? Well, I've got I've got a pretty good answer for you, which is this. Um, they got down 149 to 82 and then finished the game on a 13-3 run. <laughs> that's not where I thought you were going with it. That's how you that's how you lose. You know, how do you you know how do you how do you get an eleven on a hole? Well, you you know, you hit three balls in the water, uh, and then uh hit a nine iron and two putt. That's how you make an eleven. So um it was remarkable, it was historic. Thunder truly trailed by 67 points with about uh, about four minutes left in the game. They trailed by 67 points. Pacers played terrible. Their C team uh, played uh, the last four minutes and didn't do much. Five turnovers in the last two or three minutes. And it let the Thunder not not make it respectable, but to, make a little bit less history, I guess we should say. Yeah, because you were you were counting up the franchises that had lost by sixty plus. Yeah, there's right? been six. Yeah, there's been six in history that have lost by six uh, by sixty points or more. Um, sixty eight is the NBA record. Um, it was just remarkable. But would have felt even worse if it would have been a sixty eight and the NBA record. Holy cow! Yeah, and here's the thing: this is not. It's not vintage Pacers. I mean, this is still a team playing without some of its best players. Malcolm Brogdon didn't play. Miles Turner didn't play. Jeremy Lamb didn't play. Um, so uh, this was it was it was incredible. And heck, okay. the shooting was just absurd. Uh, Indiana by by quarters, sixteen of twenty four, sixteen of twenty two. 
14 of 20, and then 11 of 21, and they did that by missing, let's see, three, four, four, uh, you know, three of their last four shots. So um, it was it was not – it was the low point of the season in terms of performance. Yeah, I was going to ask you because, you know, you get so many – you know, you talk to, you know, fans and, and readers all the time. They email you. They call you. Everyone knows what's going on this Thunder season. Um, you know, it's, it's no secret to anyone. But, like, you mentioned that is the low point. Like, do you think that – does the does the size of the loss matter and that, that historic nature, do you think that got to some people that even understand what the Thunder is doing? Yes, I do. And uh, one guy just wrote me and all he said was this was embarrassing. But you know what was impressive to me was Mark Dagnall, who did not shy away from that. He called it embarrassing. He called it a, a, a stiff uppercut or a direct uppercut. Yeah, I thought his post game was he was, was really yeah, he was good. he did not sugarcoat it. He didn't explain it away. He didn't do anything except basically said this was awful. Now, uh, I've been impressed all year with Mark Dagnall, and none more so than yesterday. He did not he didn't pull any punches. Now he didn't come down hard on his team publicly. He just said this was. This was every bit as bad as it looked, is basically what he said. And to me, um, that's what was impressive about Sunday night against the Suns. Two things. One is they didn't, uh, you know, the Thunder got up off the mat and made a decent show of themselves. Yeah. And Dagnall, I asked him tonight, I said, were you as hard on your team as you were explicit with us? And he said, no way. He said, they know it was bad. He said, I'm not. He said, first of all, we're playing a bunch of guys that, yeah. you know, just he got. There's nothing he could say that would make it worse. Make it. Worse. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they know. I mean, they were embarrassed, too. And it's not like the Thunder is, you know, putting out a package designed to excel. You know, Gabriel Dex in his, what, second NBA game? Well, that Charlie, Charlie Brown started last night. Charlie Brown started, for crying out loud, and he, you know, it looked like Lucy and, and Snoopy were in the lineup with him, but um, I mean, these guys are put. Dagnall also didn't he basically apologize for that, like putting these guys in that position? Because like yeah, you, had, you had to play Charlie Brown big minutes, you had to play Deck big minutes. Uh, Ty Jerome didn't play, Lou Dort didn't play, Pokashevsky didn't play. Right, and you know, uh, just just the people they're playing. You know, Horde played some minutes, um, and just. Um, it, it was just a, a perfect storm of bad basketball, and it could have been a lot worse for crying out loud. But but the guys responded today, and you know you have to say they didn't quit. I mean tonight they played a decent game. Yeah, I I, I thought tonight was was seriously, in all seriousness, given who was out there for the Thunder, one of the most impressive games of the season because they're playing. Um, what's now for the tied for the top team in the West in Phoenix tied with Utah. And this was 123 to 120. Um, so it looked like it could have been another blowout because the game, well, second quarter started, Sun started on the 12-0 run. Um, Thunder responded with that on a big run of their own, 14 to three, I think. Um, but Phoenix led this one by 18. And then the the biggest run obviously was was in the fourth quarter. It was just a wild finish in this one. Uh, Teo Maladon made a big three to cut it to 10 points. Isaiah Roby had an and one dunk uh, to cut it to 121, 116. 
with 54 seconds left, and then things got wild. Devin Booker is called for an offensive foul, kicking his feet out. Um, he's He argues the call, gets a technical. Teo Maladone makes, makes the technical free throw with 37 seconds left. It's a four-point game. Um, and then the Thunder defense does an excellent job of trapping Chris Paul. Um, Chris Paul has obviously been so so clutch in clutch time. They force him into a turnover. Um, and then it looks like Lou Dort is going to get three foul shots and a three-pointer. That call is eventually overturned. I know this is a lot, but I'm trying to trying to get through this play-by-play at the end. So the, the ball's overturned, and then more chaos because it's a jump ball at midcourt. Mark Dignall basically sets up this scene by saying the officials are out of position because it's a scramble. Devin Booker gets the ball. He clearly steps out of bounds. That's not called. Passes it to Mikhail Bridges, um, who gets fouled, makes the free throws game over, basically. Um, but Dignall had a clear look at Booker, who was out of bounds. The officials were not over there. One was not on the sideline because of the jump ball situation at midcourt. And Dagnall was very honest after the game. He said, you know, he he said he blitzed the officials and he wouldn't have done that um, if he didn't know the call was wrong, but he acknowledged that they were out of position. Um, but, Barry, I know I just said a lot of words. I don't know if any of it made sense, but, but what were your thoughts on that final finish? Well, I thought the key was the overturned call of Lou Dort's foul. Yeah. You know, Thunder's down four with 16 seconds left. Yeah, could have made it a one-point game. Making a one-point game, even if he even if he makes just two of three, it's a two-point game in 16 seconds. Anything can happen. Instead, you go to the jump ball. I I wondered about the thunder at that point. Um, you know, you, you couldn't insert Moses Brown um, to to jump. Yeah, yeah, it was Roby. He was on the court, so it was Roby against Satan. You're going to lose that jump um, if if the if the tip is anything, you know, equitable, which it not always is. I mean, it's the lost art in, in the NBA is the jump ball. But that's when the Thunder loses the tip. They sort of they sort of rush uh, Devin Booker and steps out of bounds, uh, not called, and that's the ball game. So um, I thought that was the key. If Lou Dort gets those foul shots and can knock down two or three, then they got a fighting chance at the end. So. I, I thought this one just reminded I, – I don't know. The the second half has been filled with losses, most of them blowouts. And, like, this was just this was just a fun reminder that, you know, basketball is a, a fun game and it's fun to watch, like, close games and late-game situations, everything like that. It's like we, we haven't been talking about that sort of stuff much lately. No, it's, it's a little bit lost. If you look back, it's particularly last year's team, um, but the Westbrook – and Durant teams were this way as well. Lots of close games, lots of fun finishes. Yeah, the last year's team had all that crazy record in clutch time. Like, yeah, yeah, in the league. Exactly. And tonight, you know, you're sort of reminded, hey, we don't get much of this anymore. So um, it's awfully fun when it happens. It's awfully fun when it happens. So, um, you know, hopefully by next season, the Thunder will be back in the business of entertainment but for one sunday night here in the first first day of may by the way i think this was the thunder's first i think this was the thunder's first may game since game seven of the golden state series i'd have to look but i think all the playoff series ended in april i've lost uh 
whole concept of time, just the the way this season has gone. Yeah, I think this was the first May game since Game Seven in Oakland. Um, but anyway, it was it was a lot of fun. I thought we, I thought we uh, we, we were entertained by some good basketball. And, we, we were. Yeah, you know, I, I thought I thought Ty Jerome was outstanding against his old team. He was really competitive and got with it. I you thought you noticed the, the he's he's stepping back on some of these threes. Like two of those are super deep tonight. The ones he made. I thought he shot a thirty-three footer tonight. Uh, I tried to figure out how long it was. I estimated thirty-three foot. Um, he's really he's really something. And um, you know, I thought also. You know, Moses Brown is just a marginal NBA player. DeAndre Ayton was the number one pick in the draft. And DeAndre Ayton affected the game more than Moses Brown did, but only through uh, rim protection and defense. It wasn't a vast difference in those two guys. So Yeah, you just – I mean, Aiton has that. His numbers are down, but, you know, several people pointed this out. He, he seems to be playing better basketball this, this year, and obviously having Chris Paul helps, but you just did not notice him all that much tonight. Yeah. and uh, Aiton, I don't know if I said Brown, but talking about – Yeah, yeah. and, and, and um, you know, the, the Thunder did a decent job with Chris Paul. You know, uh, Devin Booker got loose early for a bunch of points, didn't finish strong. Dort did not play well tonight, I didn't think, offensively or even defensively, as, you, as good as he usually does, which usually spells trouble for the Thunder. So I thought it was a good night for the Thunder. Um, and just emotionally and mentally and all those things, to, re- to recover the way they did, you know, yeah. that, to me it was impressive. And Mark Dagnall was very impressed, I thought. He came across as impressed. I, yeah, I was impressed, by the way, with what Dagnall said after the game. I mean, he talked about him yesterday, but um, this is fairly long, but I just want to read it because I think it's significant. He was asked about Booker stepping out of bounds. Um, I said what he said earlier about I blitzed those guys. But he said, um, he said, that was a tough one, and I was pissed, but just for our players. We laid it on the line tonight against one of the best teams in the league after a really, really tough night last night. So I wanted that for them because they deserved it with the way they fought and played. So I, I, he also said um, something that was, that was pretty interesting. He said, to be honest with you, I really like this team. That was big time the way that they played the game. So he, he kind of like kind of laughed a little bit after, after he said that, but like just that he really likes this team. You, you, could, you could just see the emotion and how much it meant to him after the game to have that game so close after what happened last night. Yeah, um, it did. And um... – so you know this is a, this is the uh, season of small victories, unconventional victories, those kinds of things. Yeah. So, to me, it's a good sign. It's a good sign that you know you know you knew guys like Kenrich Williams is not gonna you know it's not gonna throw in the towel. Uh, Lou Dort's not gonna throw in the towel. Um, but you wondered how somebody like. You know Moses Brown or Ty Jerome or somebody like that. Of course, Jerome just set out last season. I mean, last game. But yeah, uh, and, and maybe some motivation playing against his former team. Yeah, but to know that guys could, you know, put that game in. Everybody seemed to mention the zero zero mentality every night. It's you know you're starting the season over. 
Zero and zero. I'll tell you what, these guys are on the same page with what they say after after the game. Well, I, I learned something tonight. Maybe you've maybe you knew this. Uh, I think who was up first? Kenrich Williams, I think. And somebody asked him a question about something, same general topic we're talking about. And he said, Well, as coach just said, he's clearly in there listening to the, you know, waiting for, for Dagnall to finish so he can sit down at the Zoom chair. Yeah. Not sure if that always happened, but yeah, it sounded like it did tonight. It did tonight. So, I mean, when you hear the coach say it, it's easy to sort of mimic him. But, um, but no, they they deserve some plaudits tonight for making that one a, a close game. They went from 57 down to three point differential. So, you know, that's uh, against an even better team. So that's that's impressive. Barry, the Gabriel Deck experience is three games old. What are your thoughts on him? He's a unique player. I don't have a good, don't have a good feel or read on him. Really, I just don't. Yeah, and I still haven't figured out. Like some guys, you can see, okay, that's his specialty. That's what he does. I I don't know exactly what Gabriel Deck, you know, does well. Like he does, he does a, a lot of things. I, I guess somewhat decently. I just can't see what kind of player he he really is right now. Yeah, I don't. You know, I assume he's not a great shooter. He doesn't look like it. He passed up an open shot tonight, too, that he surely took. Yeah, I don't know how good of a defender he is. He might be very good. I just don't have him, you know. He seems to be pretty good around the basket in terms of finding angles and cracks to get off a, you know, a two-foot shot. He seems pretty good at that. He seems pretty good in transition. He seems to be, you know, we saw him, we talked about it the other night, Garden mashing up with Zion. He got matched up some with Chris Paul tonight. I actually thought he did look pretty good defensively. Yeah, I, yeah, I did too. So it, I think he's probably a pretty good defender. He, you know what? He looks like an unorthodox Kenrich Williams to me. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I mean, Kenrich Williams, if you watch him play, he's not a great player, but he's a scrappy player and he can do a lot of different things to help you. But he doesn't look funny out there. Gabriel Deck looks a little funny in the same way that, you know, Poco so, you know, does things. He, he doesn't quite move how your right. NBA players Exactly, move. exactly. So I think he's a Kenrich Williams type of player. He just looks different. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it. Um speaking of Poku, he had a he had a really nice um dish to, to Lou Dort tonight, basically off the dribble, uh, throws it back to Lou for, for a three. But he was questionable before the game with, I think it was left knee soreness, left knee contusion, and then he seemed to re-aggravate that tonight and was ruled out at halftime with a left knee contusion. So he's out. It's, a, it's another case of it's kind of become a theme of, you know, him trying to play through stuff or the Thunder wanting to see if he can play through stuff. But I obviously couldn't give it a go with that. Um, with the knee tonight, but um, you know, got got one good poku moment before he went out. Yeah, uh, he's just getting better. That's just the truth about him. He's looking like an NBA player, not not necessarily an exceptional NBA player, but he's looking like a, an NBA player. So, um, I think I think he's a guy that's going to be, you know, interesting for the next couple of years. So, um, I. Give, uh, I give him a lot of credit. 
I don't know what's going on with that knee. He had the sleeve or the whatever you call it. I don't know on his on his leg tonight. Yeah. I didn't know if that was something that would help or if that was just a message to the NBA to say, look, he really is. He really is injured. I didn't know. You know, I don't know what's going on there. But uh, if he's not healthy, sitting down, Fenton, you know, he's played enough that they don't need to. You know, they don't need to to keep him playing. So. Um, Get 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 him healthy and make sure he's fine to go for next season. Um, by the way, in other not injury news, but injury lack of news. Um, two weeks ago, the Thunder said that Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, would be reevaluated in two weeks. So I asked about Shea pregame. There's no update. Um, it's been two weeks. It's been four weeks since the initial diagnosis, and Shea's obviously been out with for a while with plantar fasciitis. But I. At this point, Barry, they're not ruling him out, but I can't see a reason or a way he comes back this year. No, no, there's no reason to bring him back. Uh, there's no reason to to risk anything. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got to believe we've seen the last of SGA in a uniform. Uh, I just got to believe that. Um, last thing before we wrap up, it was you know the Thunder and Suns had played twice before, both games in Phoenix. This was. Chris Paul's first trip back, he said, since before they left for the bubble, and that was in early July. So it's been quite a while um, since Chris Paul has been back in Oklahoma City. He said he was happy to be back, but also mad because the fans weren't here. And he talked about, you know, his, his time in Oklahoma City dating back to the Hornets. Obviously, last year spent with the Thunder. Um, and he kind of had, you know, good memories of that and talked about Lou, Lou Dort. He was asked about Lou Dort. Um, had good things to say about Lou, but um, Barry, Chris is, is not the leading scorer on this team, but he's he's like the, I think Jokic is going to be the runaway winner for MVP, but like Chris Paul seems to be like the, um, gaining a little bit of traction in, in that race. And now with what the Suns are doing, just what do you make of what Chris Paul has been able to do in Phoenix this year? Well, it's, it's remarkable. Um, this is... A- to me, I don't understand why he's not more of a, a candidate for MVP. I mean, yeah, the Phoenix roster is better this year than last year, even independent of Chris Paul, but it's not that much better. I mean, it's not like it's not like they went and got Paul George or you know somebody. Also, I mean, it's Aiton and, and Booker and Bridges and yeah, it was those young guys getting a little bit better. And- yeah, right. And they they added Jake Crowder and. You know, whoever else, I don't know. But, but I mean, the, the difference in this team is Chris Paul, for crying out loud. We saw it last year. We all predicted, uh, by we all, I mean, our staff and everybody else in the American continent, <laughs> you know, predicting 33, 34 wins by the Thunder. They tie for fourth in the West. He goes to Phoenix, and everybody thought, well, you know, he'll probably get him to the playoffs. Yeah, they generally put the number one seed in. The <laughs> yeah. That's where they're at. I mean, yeah. They literally yeah. got the best record in the league. I think he's I think he's up there. And I would vote for Jokic because he's been phenomenal. But I think you could make the case that um that he's number two in the he's number two in the uh, uh in the uh in the uh, race, I think. Wow, number two. Yeah, I don't I put him ahead. He Embiid hadn't played enough, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's so weird because you had, you know, Jokic has been like the constant up there, but 
the early favorite, uh, kind of runaway favorite, was LeBron. LeBron gets hurt. He falls out. Embiid, Embiid misses some games. He's falling out some. Giannis has been a constant. I don't know if people want him to win three years in a row. Uh, James Harden was up there. He, he gets hurt some. Um, he's out of the race. You've had, you know, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, all these names. And, like, no one was talking about Chris Paul. But now it seems like a lot of people are talking about Chris Paul in the MVP race. So um, it really is remarkable, like, just what he's done with that with that roster. And you, you know, I, I think MVP for the most part is, you know, best player on a either best team or really good team. But as far as, like, valuable, uh, you laid out why he, he's probably the most valuable guy when, when you look at the roster context from last year to this year. Yeah, and, you know, that's why I say you know, this is a guy that probably, you know, is, is undervalued by everybody that has him and everybody that wants him. I mean, I think Sam Presti could have got more for Chris Paul in that trade. And I also think, you know, to, if the Suns had known what they were getting, they'd have given up more for him. So, you know, we just – we, we've talked about it before, but Mikael Bridges might be on the Thunder's roster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, also, I mean, the Thunder was ready to lose, you know, most of their games and get down yeah. to making the lottery. So also, also we, we've, we've mentioned this before, but the Sam Presti worked with Chris and Phoenix is a place that Chris wanted to be. So Right, yeah. He wasn't going to just trade him to, not to say, like, you know, Sacramento was going to offer the most or something. I don't think he was going to do that. Right, right. And so, um, but, you know, the, the Thunder was happy with the one-year Chris Paul, and Chris helped him get out of the Russell Westbrook contract, which was no small thing, and um, gave him one extra year of, of fun and excitement. And, um, you know, they've got draft capital coming in the future. So, um yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I know it wasn't long ago, but it's it's still it gets crazier by the day to look. And and Russ has played great lately, but just to look back at that trade and, and see which player had to have the picks attached to it to make that deal <laughs> done. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. Well, I mentioned Sacramento, and um, that's because that's next up for the Thunder on Tuesday. So the Thunder has not played the Kings. Are you ready for all these Kings games on, on May 4th, May 9th, May 11th? Um, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of OKC in Sacramento, Barry. Yeah, is that – okay, is, um, that's Tuesday, Sunday, Tuesday. Is that what we're looking at? Tuesday, Sunday, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday at home and then uh, a Sunday, Tuesday of next week. And then in between, uh, back-to-back – well, not a back-to-back, but a baseball series, sixth and eighth at Golden State. So is that is that uh, Thursday and Saturday? Thursday, then? Saturday. Okay. They they do the thing you hate, where like the the series is Thursday, Saturday at Golden State, and then they turn around and play Sunday at Sacramento rather than having like the day off in between the trip. I think you. Yeah, you yeah. I, I have no idea what's going on there, <laughs> but. Um, but um, you know that should be an okay trip for the for the Thunder because you know it's basically four games in six nights in Northern California, so you can live with that. Um, you know, you, you can live you can live with that. Yeah, good timing for the Warriors as well for their uh, playoff aspirations. Yeah. Um, 
that will do it for us tonight. Thank you guys for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. And we will be back with you Tuesday night to recap the Thunder's game against the Kings.